0: listening to the sex with Dr Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr Jess podcast. I'm Jess O'Reilly, sex and relationship expert, here to talk to you today about why you should treat your relationship like a business. Before I start my preaching, <laughs> let me say thank you very much to Desire Resorts for their support of this podcast. Desire Resorts has two beautiful locations down on the Mayan Riviera, but they also run cruises, and I am heading on their April May cruise starting in Bar- Barcelona, heading into the south of France, Monaco, northern Italy, and down to Rome. My husband Brandon will be joining me. I don't know how he chooses which. Work trips he accompanies me on, but uh, I'll tell you, he's not coming to Winnipeg. South of France, on the other hand, he'll be there. So check out at Desire Resorts on all social media. Now let's talk about relationships and marriage as forms of business. Marriage is a business. And from a financial perspective, it's a thriving business. (laughs) The wedding industry in China, for instance, I was reading it's estimated at $80 billion per year. In the U.S., it's $161 billion. I don't even think that counted the Kardashian year, all right? Globally, our annual investment in tying the knot is... Apparently over 300 billion and growing. The numbers paint a very pretty picture. The business of marriage is booming. And why shouldn't it? I mean, a marriage is a good investment, especially for men. Married men earn. 11% more than single men working in the same roles. And both men and women reap benefits from marriage, including a 17% risk of certain cancers, 12% lower rates of cardiovascular disease, longer lifespans, and the list of health benefits apparently goes on and on. But I think that we need to take a look at some of the other marital data. Uh, First and foremost, the rate of marriage is declining and more people are getting divorced across the globe. In the last 50 years, the crude marriage rate in the EU has declined by 50%. In 2011, there were 2.1 million marriages in the EU and nearly a million divorces 986,000 divorces in the US some estimates suggest that the divorce industry divorce industry is worth 50 billion per year and this is a conservative estimate so here's the thing it seems that while we're willing to invest a huge deal of money into weddings and apparently a good amount of money goes into divorces we still are not Profitably or successfully investing in the marriage, the relationship itself. We basically, in business terms, throw money at the startup phase of a relationship, the wedding. And then we close our eyes and hope for the best, knowing that we've got basically a 50-50 shot of losing everything. Now, I don't think we'd do this in business. So you can tell me, would you would you invest into a startup knowing that no further financial or advisement invested, whatever investment would ever be made. So you just throw your money and walk away. Would you purchase an investment property and let it just, you know, take care of itself? Would you sign on as a partner in a company without seeing their financial and strategic and human resource plans. And I mean, even if the company's founder was an old friend, a great person, a brilliant mind, you'd still insist on discussing some of the details. I think most of us, many of you, have a a certain degree of business sense that helps you to mitigate risk, promote higher returns, and in business... And in in career, even if you don't own a business, you plan, you invest, you surround yourself with the right people, you get a support team, and you adapt. And this is why I'm suggesting to you that it's time to treat your relationship, whether you're married or not, like you treat a business. And yes, relationships and marriages are different, but many core business competencies are transferable to the relationship. Uh, If you're successful in career or business, it's probably time to look at how you can apply that business savvy to your relationship. It's time to invest and plan. It's time to really look at the people involved and it's time to be adaptable and innovative. Now, I know that comparing marriage to business is not romantic, But neither is divorce, neither is infidelity, misery impairs. None of these things are romantic, so hear me out. Most businesses begin with a plan, whether it's a lengthy document to showcase to potential investors or a lean stack, lean canvas, the new version of business plans uh, designed to identify needs. Every business has a plan. And every successful business revisits that plan from time to time. Unfortunately, we do not do this with our relationships. Your relationship may be the most important partnership to your health, to your well-being, to your happiness, to life fulfillment. But if you are not specifically planning for success, then the odds may be stacked against you. Now, this doesn't mean that you need to sit down and write a lengthy mission statement or map out your value proposition to your partner in great detail, but simply that you need to think about and talk about what you want, what your goals are, and how you can achieve them together. Now, if every couple did this before they got married or moved in together, we'd probably see a dip in marriages <laughs> and divorces. and I see the decline in marriage as a potentially good thing, because there is no point in getting married if you don't have some sort of shared vision, if putting together a relationship plan means that you call off the wedding or the, you know, commitment, so be it. Why start something that you're not going to follow through on? Now, if you're considering getting married or you're already married or just getting into a relationship... I'm going to give you three parts, three, a three-part homework designed to help you treat your marriage like a business and improve the quality and longevity of your relationship. So the first part is a, a simple strategy. Uh, your first piece of homework is to sit down and make a plan. It doesn't need to be complex, and we're going to start with three simple questions For this plan. And if you don't think you have time for this, I don't know how you think you have time for a relationship. And if this isn't worth some sort of an effort to you, I I don't think you really have a business being in a relationship. It's three simple questions What are you doing well in your relationship? What are you doing that is working? First question. Second question What change can you make? To improve your relationship today? What can you do? Not what your partner can do, because I, I do this uh, planning, a, a little bit more of a complex process with some of my workshop participants, and oftentimes there's the, there are those who go straight to, well, my partner could do this. No, we're talking about you right now. What can you do? And then thirdly, what is one of your relationship goals? So for the first question, what are you doing well in your relationship? Your answer might pertain to the way you divide your time or the manner in which you share responsibilities or talk about problems or resolve conflict. Uh, Maybe you make intimacy a priority. Maybe you plan leisure time together. Anything goes. The point of this question is to help you to establish a positive foundation for the existing relationship and writing down what you're already doing well can ensure that you keep it up. So figure out what you're doing well. And over time, of course, you can keep this as an inventory and continue to add to it. And I do find that a lot of us really struggle to identify our strengths in relationships. And this isn't just a matter of humility. I think it more has to do with the fact that we don't think of our relationship in in kind of concrete terms. We don't think, what is going well? What am I doing well? And if you can't identify what you are doing well, it's difficult to build upon it. It's difficult to ask for the appreciation you deserve, and it's, it's difficult to keep it up. <laughs> so that's question number one. The second question, what change can you make today or in the very near future to improve your relationship serves two purposes. It helps you to acknowledge that deficits and challenges in your relationship are on you too, not just your partner. And secondly, it requires you to look at specific behaviors as opposed to global ones. Now, this means that you're going to make specific and not general commitments. So, for example, rather than saying, okay, what can I do better? I can make more time for my partner. Okay, making more time for your partner is too broad. It's, it's a nice goal, but it's not you know a specific strategy. So rather than saying that, you might say, all right, I commit to carving out 20 minutes of time for my partner this evening technology free phone in another room on another floor if you have multiple floors in your house just to hang with my partner 20 minutes or you might say okay I don't do little things to make my partner feel important so tonight I'm going to bring my partner a drink in bed to show them that that I care so when you make global commitments broad commitments like, I'll spend more time with them, or I'm going to do more thoughtful things, you're less likely to follow through. But when you pick small, manageable, action-focused items, you're more likely to deliver and, of course, reap the benefits of doing so. And I often talk about the fact that grand gestures really don't compare to everyday thoughtfulness. So if you can't make 60 seconds a day to do something thoughtful for your partner, Again, you really shouldn't be in the business of marriage. Switch businesses. (laughs) Um, Now, the third question in the marriage plan is probably the hardest to answer. And this is something sometimes in my workshops we flesh out in much greater detail, but I want to make it manageable and doable for you at home listening today. The third question is what is one of your relationship goals? So do you want to retire early together? Do you want to have more sex? Do you want to... Resolve an underlying source of resentment? Do you want to address issues with your extended family together? Do you want to better divide household responsibilities? Is your goal more broad? Like, I just want to be so in love in 30 years that we still hold hands while we're shopping. Uh, maybe you want to have another child. And even though this question is more abstract, it's still highly relevant. Uh, research suggests that couples who create shared meaning, and goals are a part of this this shared meaning, are more likely to have lasting, satisfying relationships. So think about answering these three questions, having your partner answer them, and then coming together and discussing a little. Now this is again a, a kind of summarized version of what we do in our Marriage as a Business workshops, but it's really useful because most couples haven't sat down and formally discussed, you know, what are our strengths? Where can we improve? And what are we working toward? Maybe you're just working toward maintaining the status quo. Maybe things are really good and you want to keep it up. Uh, and in business, if you're doing really well, you don't just, you know, close your eyes and say, well, we're doing good. We don't want to grow. We don't want to innovate because we know it's innovate or die. So, three simple questions. Uh, they're not a full relationship plan, but they're a start. And if you only, completed these three questions and revisited them once or twice a year, you're ahead of most couples and perhaps more likely to fall into the slightly more than half of married couples who won't get divorced. Now, other business principles, going back to marriage as a business or relationship as a business, uh, other business principles that go hand in hand with planning can also be applied to the marriage, including one that i think is very important scheduling check-ins either monthly check-ins or setting an agenda for tougher conversations writing down the the outcomes of your conflicts right so what did we come up with what did we stumble upon what did we decide or discover in a, in this fight and, rec- and then also recording action items that are designed to improve your relationship. And you do this in business, right? If you run into a problem, you have a really specific st- strategy session to address it. And you don't just walk away and say, okay, I feel better. No, you, you write down what the outcomes are and any of the associated action items. So why not in relationships? And again, if you think it sounds romantic, just rest assured that relationships don't last because of romance. (laughs) Um, They last because of hard work and planning as a part of that. So if it sounds formal and unromantic, uh, just remember your relationship is not predicated upon romance. If it is, you're in trouble because those romance and uh, passion chemicals wear off after six to 12 months, as you probably know from my earlier podcast on passion in relationships. And as... Unromantic as it may be, writing down goals and agreements reduces the likelihood of miscommunications and increases accountability and your chances of following through. So that's the first tip. The second business principle that I think you can very effectively apply to marriage has to do with people. In business you surround yourself with the best team whether they're co-workers, staff, a management team, a, a board of directors, and relationships require the same. It's not just about picking the right partner, but building out the entire team from support staff like, you know, teenage babysitters in the area, To in laws, to friends, neighbors, and your social circle, we have a rich body of research that continues to emphasize the value of social bonds to our health, to our income, and to our happiness. Now, in in picking the right partner, you probably already know I believe we need to let go of romanticized notions of soulmates. Soulmates are something you become. something you find compatibility takes work it takes nourishment it takes investment just as you invest in your team at work in your career in your qualifications you maybe go back and take courses same thing so too do you need to invest in your partner and yourself Uh, in, in business there is a reason you offer positive feedback constructive criticism evaluations and incentives even <laughs> to your team based on performance and fostering a happy home is much like cultivating strong workplace morale or corporate culture your staff will never know that you're happy with them or you never know that your you know boss is happy with you unless you hear it unless you tell them and the same goes for your spouse Compliment your partner, praise them, reward them. Uh, though feedback, of course, in a, in a loving relationship is different than feedback in the workplace, the rewards are even greater. I was reading about this research in Japan and the U.S. suggesting that the human brain's response to a compliment is even stronger than it is to a cash reward. So even if you've taken the most basic of motivational management courses, you already know the advantage of articulating value and gratitude in the workplace. And the same, of course, applies at home. It's your job to make your partner feel appreciated and important. These are universal human needs. And as such, they're the cornerstones of every happy marriage. Now, I like solutions that are quick and painless, but more importantly, I like things that are doable. So I try and keep most of them to a couple minutes, 60 seconds or less when possible. So the second piece of homework, the first was doing your relationship plan. The second is to simply tell your spouse why you appreciate them. Every single day, maybe every morning before you press your teeth, it takes less than a minute, it can take 10 seconds and it has this exponential impact as long as you mean it. (laughs) And we know that practicing and expressing gratitude lowers blood pressure, it reduces stress, it improves your mood, it strengthens bonds and heightens intimacy, and the list goes on. You have lower aggression, more empathy, better sleep, more self-esteem. This is the tip of the iceberg. So when spouses feel important and appreciated guess what? They reciprocate. They do more for for one another. They have more sex. They stay together. And this is easy. So I want you to express to committing. I want you to commit to expressing (laughs) some form of gratitude to your spouse every day for the next week before you brush your teeth in the morning. You brush your teeth in the morning, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, there's no right way to do it, no wrong way to do it. I just want you to say yes right now. Like out loud, say yes. If you're on the bus, say yes, yeah. And so those are the first two. The, finally, the third basic business principle that applies to marriage is a really important one. And it involves flexibility and adaptability. And if you have a career or a business, you've already mastered this. In the workplace. So it's time to bring it home. In business and in life, it's not the strongest or the brightest who survive, it's the most adaptable. And, uh, you know, I think Darwin may have said it best, but it's clear that adaptability in business is a must. I was looking at some case studies. PayPal started, PayPal, which many of us use, started as a cryptography company but successfully adapted its model into the default online payment system. Uh, if you look at Apple, if they were still in the business of making personal computers, well, they wouldn't be in business. <laughs> they wouldn't be the kind of omnipotent brand that not only adapts to consumer brand consumer demand, but they're a brand that shapes it. Uh, Nokia, I don't know if they're the best example right now, but I was looking, they, they were a uh, they're obviously a telecommunications and technology giant. They started as a pulp and paper company, but had to embrace digital technology as early adapters and have, at the time avoided going the way of most paper mills. And we, we all recognize brands that have struggled to adapt and paid the price. So look at Kodak, Blockbuster, uh, Dell, <laughs> Research and Motion, sorry, Canada, Oldsmobile, they're trying to come back. But I mean, ultimately in business, we know that it's adapt or die, and the same applies in relationships. Adaptability is it's a must by the virtue of marriage's inherent longevity. Over time, you will change, and so will your spouse. Children, moves, new jobs, changes in health, the loss of loved ones, all of these are going to shape changes in your relationship, and your relationship will be the first to feel the effects. So I often hear spouses complain that, oh, my husband has changed, or my wife has changed, they've changed, lamented as though it's inherently bad, and it's not. What it is, is inevitable. Change, as we know, is the only constant. And this is where your competencies in both planning and adaptability will come in. So check-ins, I mentioned having a check-in, check-ins can help to assuage the challenges associated with big changes in life. It's too easy to let our lives go on without talking about our greatest fears, our hopes, our vulnerabilities. We're too busy talking about who's going to pick up the kids or, or, you know, who's going to pick up milk to dig down and really share our most intimate thoughts. And check-ins, your third piece of homework, create... A mandatory discussion about the big issues. If you could check in with your relationship three times a year, you'll likely find yourselves arguing less and probably dealing with less resentment and connecting more deeply. So this is how I structure the relationship check-in. Um, first and foremost, you go someplace nice. <laughs> if you can, like maybe you go to brunch, maybe you go to dinner. Do something and go someplace you wouldn't normally go. Um, don't talk in your bedroom. So find the right location. Um, maybe dress up and start the formal part of the conversation right away. So the way I structure the check-in involves asking and answering four questions and taking turns answering and letting the conversation flow. So the four questions you might want to begin with Um Number one, how have you been feeling lately? How have you been feeling lately at home, at work, and generally? So that's the first one. The second is, is there anything on your mind that you'd like to discuss? And this could be related to the relationship or any other part of your life. Number three, what can I do to make you even happier and more fulfilled? What can I do for you now or tomorrow or moving forward? And then number four, because after all, we've got to talk about sex. Um, How do you feel about our sex lives? What can we do to make the connection even stronger? So these are big questions. And I don't know if you can dedicate five minutes or 50 minutes. Whatever you've got, I'd rather see five minutes than no minutes. Like Kelly says in Fitness Blender. Fitnessblender.com is where I do my fitness uh, workouts once in a while, and I do the seven-minute workout because I can't do any more. And she always says, seven minutes is way, way better than no minutes. So the same applies to relationships. Five minutes is way, way better than no minutes. And these four questions cover the four core areas of the relationship, the emotional, potential conflicts, specific behaviors, and intimacy. Um, They're good starts, but you're welcome, of course, to set your own agenda as long as you do it together. And the relationship check-in is similar to the quarterly meeting, and you need to treat it with the same respect. You set a time and you honor it, like you do in business. You show up on time, you show up prepared to be present. If something serious comes up and you have to change it, we get it, but you know, when you cancel, postpone, or show up late, for personal engagements with your partner, you're, spent, you're sending really specific messages about how you value their time. So think about how you would treat your boss or your board and plan accordingly. You can make this happen. And couples who have embraced the relationship check-in find that the greatest outcome involves really a decline in resentment because they nip potential problems in the bud instead of waiting for them to fester and eventually explode. And we have some data suggesting that the average couple waits six years to seek therapy once a problem arises, and in some cases, there really is such thing as too late. So this is part of your adaptability, the check-ins. But adaptability in relationships, as in business, is also about being open to new ideas. Um, you know, if you listen to someone like Richard Branson testifying in hundreds of speeches, um, and he doesn't just preach adaptability, but he insists on innovation and shaking up the status quo. And applying these principles to relationships means asking the tough questions, having uncomfortable conversations, challenging stereotypes around what marriage is, what gender is, what sex looks like. And if you haven't, you know, talked to your partner about the meaning of life, your definition of monogamy, your views on porn, sexual fantasies, for example then, you know, now is the time. Even if you've had these conversations before, it's always worth revisiting to see how being adaptable might open up new relationship horizons. Now, you might feel very strongly about some of these subjects, but if you and your partner don't agree entirely, then you really need to talk about it. Don't avoid it because you disagree. You need to know that there are are no right or wrong answers or perspectives as long as you're being honest and respectful. And the modern relationship really doesn't come with a standard set of rules. You have to write the rule book with your partner. Don't listen to experts. Okay, listen somewhat. But no, don't listen to experts or therapists who insist that, you know, there's one way to live happily ever after. Um, You know, I've seen thousands of couples, and all I know is that there's no one-size-fits-all approach. And I know that I say that like a broken record, but it's just so true, you know, for monogamy, for example, some see monogamy as the ultimate bond and others see it as the ultimate impediment and neither group could imagine living by the other's standards. The bottom line is if you don't know where your partner stands or you haven't even thought about how you feel about the topic, you may be leaving yourself and your relationship vulnerable. Have these tough conversations, pick your battles, disagree. We know the toughest conversations yield the most fruitful results. No business, no career is a one-time investment, and the same can be said of relationships. The investment is ongoing. It involves planning, building a team, and being adaptable, and these three elements are, are essential. And of course, again, I know relationships and businesses don't have everything in common. There are remarkable differences, but I like the comparison between the two. Uh, especially for those of you who are really successful in career and business, with all of that success, some of those skills, some of that experience experience and some of that acumen must be transferable. Uh, one salient difference between <clears throat> excuse me, between relationships and businesses is that in marriage you only have to worry generally about one other person. So the amount of investment in terms of time can be much smaller, much more manageable. You can improve your relationship in just one minute a day, as long as you stay focused on how you're making your partner feel. So think of ways you can make your partner feel important in just one minute. Unlike, you know, your boss or your clients who may demand that you go over the top, making your partner feel important can be very, very easy. And it's it's a good investment. It's well worth it when you consider that a happy marriage, this is interesting, a happy relationship is valued at $105,000 in terms of emotional value. <laughs> and it's all cyclical. A happy relationship often involves more sex and increasing sexual frequency from once a month to once a week is apparently the happiness equivalent to receiving a $50,000 U.S. check not bad for like 45 seconds work, just kidding, I don't know. Maybe your sex lasts longer, but yeah, not bad for a few minutes work of investment. And in the end, you, I know you can't put a dollar value on your marriage. Um, if I asked, you'd probably say your relationship is the most important piece of your life. And if that's the case, then it's time to ensure that you're treating it that way. Make a plan, invest in the people around you, and be adaptable. Relationships are like business and like almost every job, they come with work. So here's a recap of your homework. Create that mini marriage, sorry, create that mini relationship plan. Number two, show appreciation to or compliment your partner every morning for the next week before you brush your teeth. Hey, maybe it'll help you remember to brush your teeth. And number three, schedule a relationship check-in in the next month and follow through with it. If your relationship is as important as you say it is, you can afford 60 seconds a day or, and 60 minutes a quarter to formally work on it. And if you do, I'm very confident that it will, of course, be the best investment you've ever made. That's all I've got for you. That was a mouthful. I hope it makes sense, all that rambling. Uh, Once again, thank you very much to at Desire Resorts for your support and thank you for listening. Please keep sending in your questions, comments, follow along on all social media at Sex with Dr. Jess and have a lovely day and a wonderful week. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life, improve your life.